I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha. And this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love, 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 love for all things spooky dooky ooky and Ooh. talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Hello. So today is going to be a doozy of a day because we are talking about the 2023 supernatural horror film Insidious The Red mm. Door. I think you have to say it that way every time. Every time. <laughs> we have to slam a the door. door. <laughs> or no, it's the the tiptoe through the window oh, or whatever. Lie the doors. <laughs> Are you ready? We're ready to forget the further once and for all. My brain just been foggy past few years. All I ever wanted was to be a good dad. Dalton. Mom. Did you ever try and get help? I'm just trying to push through. Uh, great. So we are going to talk about everything in Sidious. We will probably also talk about some of the previous movies. So just be prepared for that as well. But Insidious, the Red Door was directed by Patrick Wilson, our favorite Scream King in his Ooh. directorial debut. And it is based off of a story by the one Lee Winnell and Scott, Te- uh, Scott Teams. And this is a direct sequel to the Insidious Chapter 2, and it is the fifth installment in the Insidious chain. Fifth installment. So it also stars Patrick Wilson, Rose Byrne, Ty Simpkins, Andrew Astor, Steve Coulter, Wanell himself, Angus Sampson, and Lynn Shea reprising all of their roles from the previous film, which I think is very cool because... I don't think I realized that all of the younger kids, the Daltons and the, what was the other kid's name? Foster? <laughs> the Daltons, like- the forgotten child and the baby. <laughs> <laughs> not forgotten anymore because now they're older and they're lead back, in the show. And they are not babies. <laughs> they are not. <laughs> they are adults. So, uh, and I don't think, I was trying to think of any other movies that might have done that. And I don't think that there's a lot, probably because usually when a sequel or something comes out and they flash forward a couple of years, like the younger person hasn't gotten to that age yeah, yet. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely more of a now thing because we're getting all these legacy sequels. Mm. You yes. know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. But like a lot of times, like the kids were just like, the age that they were in the sequel, but now they're getting right. these legacy sequels and a lot of these actors are still actors. You know, like like Ty Simpkins and stuff like that, where they're able to kind of like get them back in the game. Yeah, <laughs> back in the game, ready to go. Yes. So uh, <laughs> obviously, heavy spoilers for all of this and some of the other Insidious movies. So if you have not seen this, it is in theaters. Press pause. 
go to your local Alamo draft house like I did and watch this movie with a nice milkshake in your hand and then come back and listen. There's nothing better than a boozy milkshake. Nothing better. I agree 1,000%. It is truly God's gift to the earth besides Beyonce, which we will also (laughs) probably talk about later. (laughs) Beyonce and boozy milkshakes for the win. Mm -hmm. Uh, Grand. So, Jamie, give us those trigger (laughs) warnings for this movie. Yes, we are back in the further. So that means more ghosts and demons. Um, (laughs) And so if those themes make you uncomfortable, this might not be for you. There is also some ghostly vomit, (laughs) ghoulish ghoulish vomiting, uh, frat frat culture, uh, a man wearing a diaper, um, excessive drinking, yeah, I, I feel like that's and we got another again. I'm going to say it another PG 13 installment in this chain. So yes, it's sure. it's there's not like a oh there. I mean there is also reference to suicide and um and mm. being institutionalized mm-hmm. um and like other like psychosis and schizophrenia and other mental health. Um, but I feel like yeah, again, it's you don't see a lot of the spookish spookish. Thing spookish. I don't really know what spookish. word I'm making it. up there. Spookish. spookish. Um, I love it. I mean, not a lot of the spookish directly on the screen are like it's minimal. Yeah, grand. Well, Brian, producer Brian, can you give us some words so that we can get into? Open the door to the red door. Open the door. Yeah, <laughs> we can. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was really good. Um, Yeah. Hey, everybody. Producer Brian here. Um, You can find us wherever you get podcasts, what you're doing right now. But you can also see us on YouTube. Hi, everybody on YouTube. Uh, We're on YouTube. You can see us there. Um, But also, we are on all the social media apps, uh, including Threads now. We're on Threads. We're hip. We have a Threads, y'all. We have a Threads. We're on we're on uh, Threads, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Talk wow. Horror Pod on all of them, and we Woo-hoo. finally, thanks to your help, hit 15k followers on TikTok. We, we did, did it. it. Thank the next, you. the next. Thank you so much. The next goal thank is you. 20k. Um, we've got some really fun stuff there. I'm thinking of putting a lot of the TikToks onto um, uh, Shorts. Oh, add shorts on yeah. uh, our Salute YouTube your channel. Salute your shorts, camp. And then <laughs> we um, love you in our hearts. <laughs> and when we think about you, this and thing came apart. apart. <laughs> um, yes. Um, wow, we all just showed our millennial ages. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, tell me you're from the '90s. What yeah. Is yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that telling. Um, uh, but that was super. So yeah. So um, thanks for that. And uh, yeah, that's cool. Back to you, Nikisha. <laughs> Fantastic. I just, again, am obsessed with the fact that we just sang Salute Your Shorts. But. Oh, do you want to hear a fun 90s millennial story quickly? <laughs> yes. So we had some friends come over this weekend. Uh, uh, I told them I'd give them shout outs. Shout out to Zoe and shout out to Charlie. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> Zoe told us that she really liked the Wednesday TV show. I think she's uh, she's um, she's six. 
Um, and she really enjoyed the, uh, the TV show. Um, and so Jamie and I were like, oh, you know what you would really like? So while we were barbecuing, we turned on the Adams Family from 1991, and oh. she loved it. And so yes. then we turned on Adam's Family Values. Values, yes. And she enjoyed that as well. So we were very proud to uh, to uh, introduce those versions of the Adam's Family to this uh, this budding horror fan, if you will. <laughs> oh, I love that. She will be obsessed now. I'm sure her Halloween costume will be Wednesday Adams and it'll be uh, yeah. perfection. Mm-hmm. I hope yes. so. <laughs> that was exciting. That was exciting. It really is nice when you introduce younger people to some things that were near and dear to your hearts, which makes me feel so old just saying that out loud. (laughs) But it really is just like, yeah, this is really good stuff. It's not just my nostalgia, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. no, this is those movies are still good. Oh, those movies are are still very good. Yeah, absolutely. Great. And you can see my ratings on Letterboxd, (laughs) BP527. Oh, boy. Obsessed. <laughs> Amazing. Well, did y'all watch anything new uh, this week? Uh, yeah, we did. Jamie, do you want to tell about the movie we finally watched and really oh, enjoyed? Yes. Uh, when was it? Saturday uh, mm-hmm. or yeah. Sunday? Saturday. We watched, well, I don't know what day it is. Uh, and I don't know when you're all listening to this, so Fair. it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> On a day recently, we watched The Last Shift, which oh. is... It's been like out for, I don't even know when it came out, Um, Mm -hmm. but I used to see it all the time on Netflix and I just like didn't think about it at all. But then recently um, there is a sequel that I think is essentially like a remake of it called Malum that came out this year. And it's it's essentially like the same, like a reboot or reimagining of the story. Oh, I think the original was 2014. Yeah, the um, original is last mm. year from 2014. And the same director made Malum. It's essentially a remake of like, yeah, it's crazy. The original story. Yeah. Um, but it was really good and like okay. had yeah. some very, very effective scares. I got jump scared like several times. Um, nice. It, it was, really it was got like a me. pretty good uh, story. I, I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, I would also add that not only is it jump scares, but it's just an eerie, spooky story in general. And mm-hmm. it has like long stretches of tension. So yeah. it, it's not mm-hmm. just like for those of you who like don't just like jump scare fests, it really has everything. It's quite impressive. Um, it's We had a great time. I would highly suggest it. Mm-hmm. Nice. What did y'all watch it on? I think it was on Prime. I, I think we remember. watched it on Amazon Prime. Okay. I'll have to look into it then. Put it on my list. Yeah. Along with was... Sinister. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Definitely we're going to do Sinister for the podcast for sure. Yes. Um, um, but, yeah, it was really good. And then nice. We, if I check my letterbox, BP527, uh <laughs> Oh, we've just been watching all the Mission Impossible movies still. We finished them, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Love movies. that. Wait, did you finish all the Insidious movies, though, before we did this? Or you were only going to no. watch just the first two? We well, only watched I, the first two. Yeah. Okay. Not that we, like, weren't trying to watch the other ones. There's just there's just so much stuff. Yeah. So much TV, so many movies. It's, mm-hmm. it's quite wild. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nikisha, what did you do? 
I would love to tell you what I just did, Brian. So this is not spooky dooky at all, but I don't care because she is the queen and deserves to be spoken about in every form, facet possible. I went to go see a Miss Beyonce Giselle Knows Carter in Toronto. <laughs> exactly. That's, that is the experience that I had. Like... Talking about talk about like melt your face off just with the gorgeous tones and mm. the production value and the dancing and the mashups of all of her song. I mean, her discography is pretty insane mm-hmm. now. Like all sure. the albums that she has, and sh- to fit it all into like a basically three hour long concert, I wanted it to go on for like another two hours. But <laughs> uh, the best part was that I just went by myself. And this is a uh, pitch for solo traveling because it can be really fun to just meet new people along the way. I just wanted to go see her in Toronto because I knew it wouldn't be so crazy going up there. And I'd been to Toronto before, so I felt safe going up there again by myself. And I sat with some other people who also got solo tickets. And so we were all just having a good time in our VIP section, which was really <laughs> nice. Um, we had our own like porta potties. We didn't have to wait in line because we had oh, ones in our section. You didn't I mention know. that. Yes, yes. You should have led with that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the little things to be yeah. in a stadium full of people and we had our own section of porta potties that only VIP had access to. We also had our own bar and two bartenders and we had free drink tickets. Like what? this it was what? an experience. Was this yes. at, was this was this at the baseball stadium, the Rogers Center or whatever? Yeah, the Rogers Center. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Literally our section wow. was like right behind the pitcher's mounds. They had oh. to like kind of try to cover it up. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's you funny. Put anything on top of it. So we were like right behind it. But it was I was right in the center on the floor and like saw all of the things. Mm-hmm. Beyonce flying in the air, you know, <laughs> she has her um her little horse that's called Renee that the internet has called Renee <laughs> Renaissance Renee. That's funny. And, oh, sure. That's uh, funny. That's very funny. Floating in the air. But Brian, sorry to disappoint you. Blue Ivy was not there. She did oh, not. Oh, that, that was Jamie. That was, that oh. was Jamie. Jamie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yes. I've been like seeing her all over TikTok. So I was very excited I for know. you. Oh, what a bummer. Maybe she's, maybe she's like, I'm not doing this right I'm now. Tired, I'll take Mom. like the matinees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll do, I'll do two of the eight shows. I'm not doing yeah. this one. Oh, that's but, great. I, yeah, I know it was a great experience. If you are mm-hmm. a fan of Beyonce, even just a little bit, this is absolutely worth going to see her live. You will have the best time. So, Are you are you a crier? Did you cry during the concert? I thought I was going to cry, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I was very surprised at myself that Impressive. I didn't cry because I... I love her so much. She literally is, and I'm not exaggerating or being like hyperbolic. Like she is the reason why I do musical theater or like sing mm-hmm. in general. Sure. Because Destiny's Child was my absolute favorite uh, group of all time. So literally, like she is my idol, and it was. And this yeah. is my first time seeing her live in oh, life. Okay. Yes. So I, that's what. That's why I was surprised I didn't cry because it's the first time I saw her but live. Are you but, a crier? Yeah. Oh, I'm a cancer, of course. I cried everything. Oh, sure, 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 sure. I'm so sorry. I'm so <laughs> what, sorry. What are the cancers? Yeah. Oh my god. I cry I I cry at concerts. I cry at shows. I cry when they start, mm. especially like in like the when people were able to like return to Broadway. I cried mm-hmm. at like every show that we saw for like 
I think I'm still doing it because I'm like, I'm just so happy people are working again. Like, I just like, I can't control my emotions. I'm, yeah, I need to start bringing tissues. (laughs) I believe that. I feel like I've now kind of almost cried out all of my tears being uh, Eliza because literally it's like crying all the time. It's just like. Yeah, yeah. So tired of crying. Yeah. My body's like, please stop. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You're fine. You're not in danger. Like, <laughs> no. And we'll talk about that in this too, using your trauma True. and all that stuff to yeah. arts and things and <clears throat> perform and such. But that's a nice segue. Let's get back into everything that is Insidious because I know not everybody's a Beyonce fan, but just had to tell you, thank you for asking, Brian. It was fantastic. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, grand. So... Let's get into Insidious. We need a plot summary. I have Beyonce on the brain. I honestly cannot even um, begin to try I'll, to tell you this. I'm ha- Jamie did the last one. I'll do this one. Thank you. Woo-hoo. What's the plot? <laughs> I'm just going to sing. I'm just going to sing tiptoe to the tiptoe to the tulips for two minutes. I can't Absolutely. say it. Thank you. Uh, 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 right. Tiptoe through the tulips. <laughs> <laughs> That's the actor tongue twister, the warm up yeah. right there. Yeah, right. That one was where did we see that? RuPaul's Drag oh, RuPaul's Race. RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, yeah. Stop. <laughs> but I did that. Unique. Yeah. Well, New one York. of them, uh, one of them who was on it uh, has a BFA. Uh, the one. Okay. A lot of the, queens have their BFAs. Yeah. Uh, the one that, that I usually sense. do is uh, when I was when I was an actor, I would do red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow <laughs> leather, and then you keep going up like the uh, like the scale and stuff like that. Anyway, let's do the plot. Yes, love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're doing the plot. So that means, Mister Brian, uh, you have two minutes. There are two minutes on the clock for you to tell us the entire plot summary of Insidious colon. The Red Door. Are you ready? I am. And go. Okay, so this is nine years after the Lambert family or basically erased um, Josh and uh, what's the kid's name? Uh, Dalton. Dalton. Josh and Dalton's memories about, you know, their power. Basically their power to um, astral project themselves into uh, another realm, essentially. Um, the Both of them do not remember this. Um, it's nine years later, and we find that the family has fallen apart a little bit. Josh and Renee are separated and divorced, um, and he does not have a good relationship with his kids or his family in general. Um, his mom, the woman... Uh, who was played by Barbara Hershey in the first two has passed away. And, um, and Dalton is now going off to college. He drives Dalton to college. They have this big blowout fight, but uh, we learn that Patrick Wilson's character is very foggy. He just like can't seem to focus. Something seems very wrong with him, and he's going to try and figure that out. Dalton is going to um, art school. Finally, a kid who draws creepy stuff actually becomes an artist, and he goes to art school, and during art school, he's you know told to pull from his traumas, pull from his life to draw something, and he is all of a sudden like experiencing the further again because he's kind of figuring that out. Um, all the while, Patrick Wilson's character is trying to figure out what's wrong with him, and he finds out that his father actually had uh, this w- the astral projection. Um, he was committed to an asylum um, and ended up killing himself because he just wanted it to 
stop because he wanted it to stop for him, for his son. He was ending the line there. Um, Dalton finds out that he can astral project with his good friend, Chris, who is the MVP of this film. Um, And Chris and him end up figuring it out, but he gets trapped in the further and Patrick Wilson has to go back in after finding out that his memory was wiped from his wife. He saves them and he saves the day. The end. Good job. That's the plot. Why not? That's more or less what happened. Yeah. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to kind of summarize. Well, because we'll get into this, but the movie is like slowly building to something and then it happens very quickly and then it was over. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, agree a thousand and one percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um but let's 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 pass it to you, Nikisha. Let's dive in. Yeah, let us let us dive into the door Ooh. with our first segment of likes and gripes. And now our likes and gripes. And actually, I will go ahead and and start just to piggyback off of what you said, Brian, because that was one of my biggest gripes. But we'll get there. I agree with you, Brian. The friend, Chris, MVP, loved her uh, one-liners, especially the one when um, she was asking about him astral projecting and what it felt like. Or And and he's like, no, it's not like a ghost. And she was like, you'll never be a ghost with that attitude, Casper. Great line. (laughs) Uh, Her name is Sinclair Daniel. Huge shout-out to Sinclair Daniel. Wonderful performance. Wonderful performance. Loved her. Also, it was a weird kind of 90s theme with these kids and how they dress. Did you guys notice that? Because when Dalton Mm -hmm. goes to school, he literally looked like he was out of a 90s sitcom or like later Safe by the Bell because he had um, (laughs) like the flannel wraparound and the cutoff at the knee. His whole vibe, I was just like, what's happening? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but then his friend Chris too. She had on like this TLC T-shirt, and I was like, okay, oh, for that's all these like true. '90s vibe. And I guess that's like the thing now. Like people in college are grasping towards like '90s looks as their retro whatever whatevers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just thought that was just very interesting, and I liked it because of the '90s nostalgia. Sure. Um, the shots in this I thought were great. I there was a lot of really good jump scares in this that I enjoyed. I loved particularly the shot in the car. Patrick Wilson is in the car, and there's the person walking towards mm. it uh, behind him. And at first, it kind of looks very blurry, or like it might be trees or something kind of blowing behind. And then it gradually gets closer. And I just thought that how they shot that was um, really great. A lot of um, the jump scares too, there was a lot of tension building and quietness that was happening and mm. where you thought things were going to come out at, they didn't happen. It's and I say that with the MRI, um, yeah. thing too, that one because got me good. like truly the, the shot Oof. of first seeing the hand coming on his shoulder mm-hmm. and then him like feeling a presence. And so he's going to look, you know, try to look behind him. And so then it switches to first person, like point of view. So like you're seeing him look behind and then there's nothing there. And you're thinking like, that's when the jump scare is going to happen, you know, cause mm. we've already, it's already been set up with the hand coming in the shoulder. So the minute he looks, it's going to be there and it's not. And so then there's a moment of just quietness and then it's like coming up by his feet. And I'm like, oh. this is, it's great. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah. Love shots like that. I thought as far as Patrick Wilson's directing, I think all of his jump scares that he directed were fantastic. That's just my my huge uh, like uh, mm-hmm. across the board for this 
movie. I liked that more than the actual story. <laughs> so I was like, give me more jump scares and then we mm-hmm. can bypass whatever's happening in this. Another quote that I really enjoyed from uh, Chris when he was talking about he was in a coma from meningitis and she was like, I could have used a little meningitis. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, I have a question because I it's been a minute since I watched the second movie. So oh, I was going to ask because I we watched yes. the first one together, and I didn't remember if you had rewatched the second one. But this one almost has more to do with the second one than the first one. Mm-hmm. It does, and so then my brain was trying to think. Like, of course, there's a lot of shots happening from that second movie, which was really nice to just kind of meld those two together, but. In the second movie, they really did like erase his memory, like with the hypnosis guy. That was a thing. Okay. Yeah. At the very end. Yeah. Okay. At the very end, the guy who comes up to Patrick Wilson's character after the funeral is the one who was in this the second one. um, Who like accompanies them? He was also there when Patrick Wilson's character was a kid, when Josh was a kid, and first experiencing Mm. all of that. He was the one that accompanied Lynn Shay, and they realized what was happening. And he's also the one who, I think, he's also the one who helped Josh forget the first time when he was a kid. So, like, he's always been there Mm -hmm. to do this forgetting. Memory to Mm -hmm. uh, Men in Black, Neural. Yeah, Yeah, but he he does it with dice. Yeah, he he Yahtzees it. Yeah, he does the the Yahtzee, and then everyone forgets. (laughs) (laughs) okay so then that it all made i mean it all made sense but i just didn't realize what they were pulling from the actual movie or if they you know like cgi re retro you know all of that stuff seemed like clips from the second movie there may have been like filler shots from behind where you can't see their younger faces but like they most of that stuff was absolutely from the second movie Fantastic. Well, yeah, I enjoyed uh, a lot of the the setup for that. Um, we'll talk about the 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 art teacher, but I just want to say out loud that I think that she was very toxic for saying that you mm. need to drudge up all of these things in order to create the best form of your art because I think that that can just be detrimental to your mental health, even if you aren't dealing with astral projecting and demons trying to follow mm. you. I just think that that's not a good thing in general. <laughs> Um, yeah, the recall to the handprint on the sheets from the first movie, I thought mm. that that was great. Mm. The yeah. blood blood handprint on the other bed <clears throat> in the room. Um, I love that Tucker and Specs were back for that little YouTube clip um, <laughs> on astral projecting. And uh, yeah, then we get to kind of the end, and I was a little confused. Like Brian was saying, it just everything happened so quickly it was like nothing was happening and then everything happened especially when josh goes into the further or uh, like astral projects to try to check on dalton at first Mm -hmm. i was like well how did he know that dalton was also astral projecting or in the further in the first place but then i kind of put it together that when the brother was saying like there's something wrong with dalton that he was just trying to check on him but then Mm -hmm. they meet in the further and then try to i don't know and then the whole door and the dad uh, and then josh kind of saying this ends with me and i'm just gonna stay here and let him go i just didn't buy it i don't think that there was a big enough payoff because I thought that he was going to die. And then I was really going to be upset because I was like, this is not a great payoff for him to just die in this mm. moment. I don't know. You tell me your thoughts about that. But, it was um, very Game of Thrones. Hold the door. 
Mm. Hold the door. Wow. Hold the door. I haven't thought about that in a while. Yes. Hold the door. Hold the door. Oh, Spoiler heart. alert for Game of Thrones for anyone. Who has to say Oops. 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 Sorry. Um, Oopsie. Yeah. Oopsie. And I just didn't really like. Uh, oopsie. Uh, I still think that Josh is not a great like dad, even though you. Josh it, sucks. I, Thank you. Josh, okay. Josh sucks. And 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 one of my right. gripes with this movie is it blames him sucking on the fact that he like it blames him as a bad parent on the fact that like his memory was wiped. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'll get into that in my gripes. That's horse shit. Okay, well, I'm glad that you agreed with that because I truly was like, what is it? I just feel like he's even worse. Like, literally in my notes, I was like, Josh seems even worse in this movie than yes. <laughs> in the first mm-hmm. one. Like, wh- mm-hmm. what is he doing? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I put the end. My biggest gripe was the end seemed like a little rushed and not fleshed out. And um, I just think there were kind of holes in it. Like, maybe mm-hmm. if Dalton was kind of astral finding his astral projecting thing a little sooner then it could have all like fleshed out and connected a little bit better it just seemed like he was only having visions of the demons and then it's like oh now I know everything that's going on let me like try to fix the things so mm. um, but yes Brian you take it for um, you know take it on your likes and gripes for that whole section because it was not great for me <laughs> uh yeah sure i let, let jamie go first because i need to pull my okay, notes okay. up a little bit more yes 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 um <clears throat> yeah i think i agree with like everything you said i i think that like direction wise i think patrick wilson did a really good job like for mm-hmm. his directorial debut like i was into it and like i really in the moment of like separating like He's not responsible for, responsible for the screenplay. Like, there's yes. definitely flaws in the screenplay. Mm-hmm. But I think he did the best with what he had. And, like, I, I do think that he, <clears throat> you know, like, I'm excited to see what what he does next. Um, mm-hmm. I like that he just, like, came back to his spooky spooky roots. I don't know. To, yeah. <laughs> to take this on. His spooky um, dookie rooties. The spooky dookie rooties. Um, <laughs> I I also was like very impressed by the jump scares. I screamed several times in the movie. The first one that got me was the the hand that came out of the picture jump scare. Yes, that was such a good um, one. That was a great yeah. one. I wrote that one down because I was like, oh, this is like they're th- I'm gonna have a heart attack in this movie. Yeah. Um, and I I also agree with what Brian had said of like it felt like they were really building like so much tension around, you know, how are they both, how are both Dalton and Josh going to like rediscover that this is something that's a part of them. And like Mm -hmm. somehow this doorway has been opened in like revisiting or unpacking the past trauma that they've like closed off. And I also, uh, I mean, I'm still saying all the things I like, uh, you know, (laughs) All that's fine, whatever. I guess the <laughs> <laughs> the things that bothered me about this movie are, um, like, it feeling rushed at the end. It feeling like they – I think I'm getting a little bit tired. This might be, like, a really hot take, so bear with me. Whoa. I, <laughs> I didn't even say it yet. Um <laughs> It depends on how it's executed. And this one, I don't think that they execute super well. But, like, in some in some movies, I'm kind of getting tired of, like, needing to use trauma as, like, the the thing to, to 
rally this whole movie around. Mm. Um, like it, first of all, it's very heavy handed, especially at the end. And Mm -hmm. I just, I just like sometimes just want like a fun, spooky, scary movie. And it kind of like takes it away when they're like, oh, well, you know, like Dalton's got to work through his relationship with his dad and Josh has to work through his relationship with not having a dad and then realizing mm-hmm. that like his dad was institutionalized and, and you know what that means. Um, and then they have to like come back together and realize that they both have this traumatic experience that they both compartmentalize, but it's not healthy for either of them. And I'm just like... I just want the fun, scary movie back. Uh, Mm. I don't always, I don't always need, and this is like coming from a therapist. I don't always (laughs) need it to be a metaphor for something. I'm just looking to have a fun time. So like, Like I'm kind of, spooky sake. Yeah. yeah, I'm kind of just looking for spooky for spooky sake. Of course there are still the move. There's still the Babadooks that like, I'm still going to love. So maybe it's just, sorry. There's still a senior Robert Robert Duke. Duke. Yeah. Oh, Um, oh, oh, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but I don't think that, like, I feel like now in this, like, contemporary horror, like, space that we're in, everything has to have some kind of deeper meaning. And there are some directors and writers who are able to execute that excellently. And, like, Mm -hmm. it's very effective and I love it. And then there are others that I feel like are jumping on the bandwagon because that's what's hot right now, but they don't execute it as well. And then that makes me annoyed that they even like tried to give it some kind of deeper meaning to begin with. So I think that, and maybe, maybe that's like a silly like opinion to have because this movie has kind of always been about this family, but like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of over it. Like it just, it just wasn't executed well for me. So it kind of loses the meaning at this point, um, at least for, for this particular chain. So, so that's kind of my like biggest gripe with it. And that was a hot take. And some examples too. uh, Hmm. One of them is Dalton's line at the end where, uh, where his friend Chris is like, okay, you painted over the picture. Like let's burn this fucker. And he's like, some things Mm -hmm. we can't forget. Uh, tomato, tomato. I hated that. I can't believe that they, I cannot. Yeah. Everyone laughed. I can't believe they left that in that movie. Like so unnecessary. But then this is, this was wild to me. I don't know why it bothered me so much, but as we do, we, Brian and I typically sit through the credits of most movies that we see in theaters. (laughs) And then the song for the credits starts playing and it was like, stay with me or like, however it went, I remember, but I know it was saying like, stay with me. And I was like, I was like, I, I in college watched uh, Phantom of the Opera several times. This sounds like Patrick Wilson singing this fucking song. And we sat through the whole credits to get to the song credits. And he's fucking featured in this goddamn song. So not only that, I was like, okay, that's a little, that's a little big ego for me. But like, the song was literally about them like staying together, like we need to stay together. And I was just like, oh my God, we we already fucking get it. It was so cringy. It was very Mm -hmm. weird. I don't know why they did that. I don't know why Patrick Wilson had to like be a part of that song. Like, because that also I feel like goes back to 
I forget who said that first, but like that Josh sucks. So like the yes. idea that Patrick Wilson sang this stupid song at the end of this silly movie, like <laughs> only annoyed me even more where it's like, uh, like I'm walking away from this still affirmed in my belief that Josh sucks. And this mm-hmm. song kind of makes Josh suck even more, even, even though more. I know it's Patrick Wilson singing this song. But like the idea that Josh is like, oh, we overcame this and now we just got to stay together because we're such a tight <laughs> family. I I was, I, I literally screamed in the theater when I was like, when I saw Patrick Wilson's name featured on that song. Yeah. Uh, that was truly... I don't know who thought that was a good idea. I hope it wasn't Patrick Wilson, mm-hmm. but that that was not it. That like really, I was like, oh, I, I'm like decreasing several points in in my yeah. review just Literally, for that. The amount of throw up that happened with that ghost <laughs> is like the amount of throw up I feel in my system from hearing that. That's wild. But yeah, we, so, we did stay, and there was like a mini after credit sequence where, like, with the light, yeah, the mm, light turns mm-hmm. on above the door. So I guess like he didn't scare us away enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like I don't know, there was something about the last, like, the third act where the writing kind of felt super sloppy. It was yes. it was those things, and then also like the little brother line when Dalton's on the phone oh. with with his brother, <laughs> and he literally says something something little brother, and I was like. Was that like an edit that they just like forgot to delete from the script that he says out loud? Like nobody, I'm an only child and I know that nobody talks like that. Like how absurd. No, they don't. Yeah, it's like tell, tell, yeah. Because he like asks like what's going on. I I, I don't say little sister. Like no. Yeah, no, no, that's weird. Yeah, it's super weird. I hate that. So Yeah. yeah, it's all just like little things, but like. That being said, I know I'm being very, very picky. I still had a really good time. Um, mm. I, I, you know, I was happy to see the whole, the whole family, including the forgotten child, <laughs> the little brother, and the um, little sister who gets sent away. She's like, oh, she's yeah, at a sleepover. She she's at the sleepover forever. For a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But never um, to return. But yeah, I still, I enjoyed it. I think out of one, two, and five, because I, I, I saw, I've seen three and four, but I haven't seen them in a while, so I'm not going to include them in my thing. It's definitely. Mm-hmm. like the lowest out of all of them but it's not it's yeah. not like the worst of this universe or of of these types of movies that I've ever mm-hmm. seen yeah absolutely great Brian stay uh, with me <laughs> um I feel similarly to Jamie in that I have a ton of gripes for this movie but I still liked it like like yeah. you know it's it I don't know if it's the nostalgia I don't know if like it was just the tone or the jump scares but um these are my likes Chris Sinclair Danielis Chris was my number one like for this I think she mm-hmm. was wonderful um the jump scares like you said were great his direction was very good especially with such a heavy-handed script he treated this a lot more seriously than James Wan did um yes. and, like I the only funny thing in this or like campy or however you want to d- describe it silly was the vomiting uh, which I loved mm. um, but I didn't hate that he took it a little bit more seriously because it uh, because it is what it is I I, I didn't right. miss the other part of it um, uh, Specs and Tucker like you said but I mentioned this in my plot um, I like that he was a kid who drew things and that was the opening credit sequence wasn't it 
Um, like yeah, the, the, that was the, a great opening. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, with the drawings, I like that he actually became an artist. I think that was super mm-hmm. cool and very clever. Finally, um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I just had a really good time. I thought the jump scares, especially, were very good. Um, but uh, let's get into my gripes for this one. Um, I think the major problem with this movie is that three fourths of this movie is about two characters figuring out that they have powers that we have an audience member already know they have and have seen them use. That is not Mm, interesting. And there weren't enough scares to justify that amount of time being taken up by that movie. Like, like, I, I I know that they are astral. Pro- I know they, they're like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, I know this is not interesting for me to find out, which is <laughs> yeah. why, in my personal opinion, they should have found out much early or it should be relentless jump scares and scares for three fourths of the movie. Like, yes, you, you have to one or the other, but they should have found out earlier. And also, as much as I didn't really dig that storyline, and I'm not sure if it's because I didn't really like it or because they didn't give it enough time to breathe. But they should have focused more on Josh finding out more about his father. Now that his mm. mother is dead, protecting him like no longer his mom is no longer there as his guardian angel, if you will. And so mm-hmm. now his father can like attack him, be that like spirit on his shoulder, all of that stuff. We needed to do more investigation into that. And cause that's the stuff we don't know. That's interesting. And even though we don't really like this, like you can be genetically passed down trauma or the, but like, but you can be yeah. genetically passed down this power. And I think that's interesting. And I would have liked to learn more about that. And Dalton is like, Oh man, I can astral project at college where he's trying to figure this out. And then you come to that scene where Renee's like, Oh, I know this already. Mm. Um, my other big gripe about this movie is they did Rose Burns Renee so dirty in this movie. Mm. They blame her. The The script explicitly blames her for the dissolution of their marriage, even though yep. from chapter one, he has been a bad husband and father. They're yeah, basically yes. saying that, like, well, if you if you if we hadn't erased our memories and you told me then we could have had an adult conversation about this, like we could have worked through it. Yeah, mm. I think that is mm-hmm. horseshit. I think yeah, and I yes. think she defends herself really well because she mm-hmm. was basically like, listen, motherfucker you tried to kill us and i don't care i don't i don't i've been lying to them because i'm protecting your ass but like you were the reason i didn't tell you is because i still wanted you to be some sort of a father and like so that you wouldn't get possessed by these things anymore like i I just think that they do her so dirty and that really Mm -hmm. i did not like that at all and then and then all and then they don't even show the end of that conversation the next thing we see is him in the further trying to save Dalton. I needed yeah. those 10 minutes. I needed that 10 minutes of her being like, listen, you're wrong, but I need to save our son. So fucking sit in that chair and like do your astral projection. Like I needed that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So that really, I did not like that. I th- and Renee's always been the, the, the one that I liked the most from the first two movies. And I thought yeah. they did her dirty in this one. Also, I really like the choice of them being divorced because like she should have divorced him after the first one, but that's neither here nor there. Honestly. Um, But that was, I mean, I I think Brian and I had talked about that too. After we watched the second one, we were like, Oh, I wonder what the status of their relationship is going to be going into the third one. Cause how the fuck do you come back from, even though you know that your husband is possessed, have you come back from seeing him 
just looking like that towards you and your family. Like, I don't think that there's anything that even if he did erase his memory also like exactly like how lucky for him, how convenient for him to have to not remember the fact that he tried to murder his entire family. And she has to carry that every day and like lie to her children about that every day. Exactly, which to Brian's point is like the fact that I'm glad that she did say like even though me as an adult knew that it wasn't you, those kids didn't know the difference. No, yes. so regardless Absolutely of not. what's happening, I'm protecting my kids because yeah. they don't know the difference. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so whatever we can't work through this with our kids having to deal with all that shit. Also, like it's like, not gonna work. And I had to remove the threat from the home, even if you didn't remember yeah. it. I had to remove the threat from the home, and yeah. this is where we are right now. Um, mm-hmm. Get it, Renee. Um, and yeah. then <laughs> I, while I thought a lot of the scares were excellent, I thought a lot of them were repetitive. I mm. think that the um, that like that like ghost or whatever coming into focus behind him happens like twice. And the jump scares are very similar mm. in this movie. They all effective. But I need a little bit more um, diversity in jump scare, if you will. Yeah. Mm. Um mm. Um, something I didn't believe, Chris changing her tune when she was all in for his astral projecting. I know she was choked oh, by the yeah. ghost. I get it. She was choked by the ghost and he had to save her from the astral side or whatever it is. But then she's like, no, you stay away from me. It's like, listen, like. Don't I, even, don't, I don't even want to talk about this anymore. Yeah, like, honestly, that did, that felt out of character. That felt like a plot point um, as opposed yeah. to anything else. So that was something there. Um the after an hour and a half of like the speeding thing of building up to it, the end was just like so fast and quick with like the pictures yes. and the tin and all of that. Also, I did not like that they took a picture together and there was nothing in the background. Like when they took the picture, yes. so when they mm. took the picture and he <laughs> sent the picture to his dad to say, like, I went to the party, it sucked. I thought the dad was going to see something in that picture. Same. That, w- that would have been a same, way same. more interesting turn. Yes. And then he finds the pictures of like him and his dad and stuff like that and sees mm. those pictures. That's more interesting. And that expedites that process. Yes. Yeah. Um, we should have wrote this movie. I know. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, um, <laughs> the dad discovers the loss. Um, there was no payoff for Nick the dick. Oh, yeah. In the bathroom. I, like, scene. what was the point? What like, was the point? Like, I, I don't know. Hated yeah, it all. That he was got, so awkward. Like, I like when Chris kicked him in the groin. That was good. But mm-hmm. if you're going to bring him back being a total weirdo in the bathroom, like, I needed some sort of a funny or weird payoff. Like, all of a sudden, like, Charlie was being hurt, and then he ran out of the room. Like, <clears throat> and he was, I get that he was saying, like, um, close the door, close the door, as all the other mm-hmm. ghosts were saying, and he was saying it too as like part of that. But like honestly, I needed a payoff. I needed a second payoff for Nick the Dick in that moment, not just like him being embarrassed that like the door's open while he's pooping. Like yeah, that. Yeah. that Thank that you was, also for calling him by his full name every time. Nick the Dick. Nick the Dick. Mm-hmm. Um, but my one of my biggest gripes from this entire movie is how dare you have a needle drop 
and not like blast the tiptoe through the tulip song. They played the <laughs> intro, and then once the once the chorus came on, that like gets us all hyped for Red and Black Monster Demon, you know, who clearly lost RuPaul's Drag Race because he's not sewing anymore. <laughs> like he's not. Yeah, and that like, makeup is half painted that, on. Yeah, it's not all painted. But it, but yeah, but in all seriousness, the fact that I didn't get like blasted in my ears with like tiptoe through the tulips was like an egregious mistake because here he is we don't we haven't seen this red demon since the first one because the second Mm -hmm. one is really dealing with um patrick wilson josh's demons yeah yeah Uh, we're and so i just we like we're back with red demon face like i was excited for that we also like that it's just like 15 minutes like i needed more with that like i needed more tiptoe through the tulips and that like i really let me let me say that again I needed more tiptoe through the tulips in that song, in that moment, with that volume. Like, I just think that, like, I wanted that payoff. This movie doesn't really do payoffs that well. Mm. No. And just to your point, Brian, I'm just going to say, all of a sudden you just see Dalton chained back up again. And I'm like, how did we get here? Yeah. I like, you don't see, like, that struggle with the demon. He just is kind of, like, astral projecting and then being in different spots. Like, he's figuring out, like, the memories are coming back to him. And then all of a sudden, he's, like, chained up again. I'm like, wait, what did I miss? What happened? Because in the first one, it's mostly from the parents' perspective. So when he goes into the coma and disappears into the further, we just accept that, like, we understand how he's doing. But if Mm -hmm. we... If if he astral projects and then Chris is like, hey, Dalton, like, are you there? Like trying to get him back, you know, and, and mm-hmm. when she's trying to protect his body in the dorm room, which was actually a very cool sequence. Like, yes, then you need to give me everything else from Patrick Wilson's perspective, because like mm-hmm. realistically, this movie is about him redeeming himself in the eyes of his kids by dealing with his father. I actually think we spent way too much time with Dalton at college. I think it should have mm-hmm. been, even though I think Josh is a duty head we should have spent more time with them because that's who this movie is about dalton should have been with the scares and the the thematic elements really should have been more with josh maybe he just had to be behind the camera more i don't know the script or whatever Mm. but like but like and and so if we spent more time with josh in the end then we don't have to have that stuff with dalton he just knows where to find dalton because he's been there before you know what I mean? Yeah, he yeah. knows exactly where the monster's keeping him. And, like, you know, we get a little bit of red and black face, um, you know, during the, the, the demon, during, like, the Chris sequence and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. then, like, yeah, and then, like, he wasn't sewing anymore. I'm really upset that he gave up sewing. Like, it seemed like he was very good at it. I hope that the RuPaul workroom, like, didn't, like, bust his confidence. But, like, re- black red demon, oh you know, I just wanted, I want him to find joy again. And, like, he got painted over and the door. Like, he just had a bad day. Which, that was all weird. Uh, like, what is that, a, a, a weird metaphor of, like, I, keeping your stuff contained? I don't know. I don't know, but I liked that. I liked that he painted the picture and the door, because it, like, at least tied in with the rest of the movie. My issue was how mm. heavy-handed it all was before and after that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think the context of that took away from the actual, like, cleverness of, like, he's using the thing that makes him vulnerable, art, to not only figure that back out again, but being able to control it. And I think that's super cool, but, like, they, like, literally took a giant mallet and was like, sometimes you can't forget things. (laughs) Like... (laughs) I don't know who that was. It just came out. (laughs) 
Beautiful. Yeah, I agree. It's it just all was very, very fast and heavy handed. Yeah. But I liked it. And it like, could have been. But, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still liked it, which is like a weird like like thing. I don't know. But yeah. Well, it's just because like if the third if the third act was a different kind of outcome, then everything else doesn't seem so like oh, this should have happened so that this can happen so that this can happen. Like, mm-hmm. it just the connection wasn't there. So the fact that the last chunk of it didn't set you up for success, now it's, I mean, that's the end of the movie. And then you're like, well, what the heck happened? And then why did I deal with all this stuff in the first place? But if the ending was better, then it would have kind of, like, tied in together a little bit more for mm-hmm. us. But, yeah, the jump scares, though. Great Patrick Wilson. Oh, that was good. Uh, something else I will like to say is I'm really happy that it won the box office this weekend and made a little bit of money. Um, mm. j- j- any any time <laughs> a horror movie does well at the box office, it gets me excited because then movie studios. I know this was Blumhouse and that's what they do, but like it just yeah. gets me excited for like maybe we'll get another Insidious movie. Maybe we will. Maybe like. You know, it beat Indiana Jones in its second weekend. Like, I think that's like a really good sign for horror movies in general. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that had a lot to do with the reviews for a lot of these movies and stuff like that. But like, that just gets me excited that like, like we're we're still on the upward path of horror movies doing well in movie theaters in this day and age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Great. Well, Ooh. should we go into our next section, guys? Yes. Any, any other Indeed. thoughts? Okay, great. Fantastic. So let's get into our next part. Mm, brains. <sighs> and there mm. is a lot to discuss with this because just to say off top, the idea of Josh and his dad problems on top of like the demon problems being the thing that makes him a shitty person. It's just very annoying as we have already discussed. But to that, one of the quotes that I thought was really interesting is Dalton talking to his father and asking, you know, do you think you, did you ever think about getting some help with him being like foggy or Mm. just being shitty in general? Yeah. yeah. And Patrick Wilson is like, nah, I'm going to push through it. (laughs) And that just made me think like, can we talk about where the mentality comes from to just kind of like push through things and why it's so hard for people to try and ask for help? Because this same issue that Josh has been having has been for years and he doesn't think at all to find some form of assistance or help. Like he's just okay sitting in how he is, how he operates when he's lost his family, you know, mm-hmm. like he's, he's divorced his wife. He has this terrible relationship with his kids and now his mom is dead. And th- I just feel like that's so much time that has passed for him to still be the same type of person. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> my question is, it's just how, why can it be so hard for people to try to ask for help? And if you can just speak on in your experience, like people who have that mentality of like, yeah, I'm fine. I can do this by myself. It's all good. Also yeah. on top of that, he was taking, oh, no. he was, t- Oh no, on top of it. Help. Um, <laughs> on top of that, he just to add to the stress level that he was going through is like it, it, through context clues, like it showed that he was taking care of his dying mother. Like mm, that yeah. adds to that, like, like all of that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that it speaks to like the ongoing stigma around mental health and like that you can't mm. ask for help, that asking for help is viewed as a weakness and like, <clears throat> you know, like I, I, th- I literally think that that's it. I think that a lot mm. of folks struggle all the time with asking for help, even like in a variety of levels. So like some folks will seek out therapy, like talk therapy, but they don't feel comfortable with like medication management, which is Mm, like also a perfectly reasonable and like helpful way to manage, you know, symptoms of anxiety, depression, um, like bipolar, like all of these things. And there, but there's still so much resistance to exploring those as an option um, for, again, like more mental health stigma and like the reasons that people come up with. The idea of just like pushing through as if like, you know, all of these things are are so simple when in fact like yes. they're so complicated. They have infiltrated every facet of your life. Like this isn't sustainable. Like it's okay to be able to like get support, get answers, um, you know, like deal with it in a different way than how you have been. So yeah, I, I was like a big eye roll to again, once again, Josh Mm -hmm. continues to be the doody daddy in this series. And, and I'm I'm just like, (laughs) Is that like <laughs> a sugar daddy. daddy, but like the opposite? Like, oh, yeah. do you want to be my duty daddy? <laughs> I hated that. Hate it. <laughs> no. Duty. Yeah. I mean, he is a duty head, but yes. Well, I have a question. Because he's been in three movies as a duty daddy, is he like, <laughs> is he now one of the like top like honorees in our Hall of Fame of like bad fathers in horror movies? I think so. I think this I think movie so. really solidified his spot. Is he, so he's the he's like King Duty Daddy. <laughs> oh my god! Sure. Yes, uh, I, I will take that. <laughs> well, also uh, another question just about King Duty Daddy. Uh, head. I hate that um, this is a thing now. <laughs> it will be a Which thing. I never spoke. <laughs> <laughs> so. Of course, they try to kind of mull it over with the his dad had issues. So then it's connected to him and he's passed all that trauma down to Josh as someone who was an absent father on top of the actual like genetic, like whatever schizophrenia things that he was um, institutionalized for. And I want to talk about how people can break that kind of cycle who want to have healthy family relationships, but don't have necessarily the tools or an example of a healthy relationship. Like how can, um, someone who be a good father or, um, uh, yeah, just be a good father without having a father in their life, which is like possible. But mm-hmm. when you don't have the tools or someone to like guide you, how can you, um, kind of pick up those pieces? Yeah. I mean, I think that like, even without, excuse me, I think even without experiences, we Mm -hmm. can still like use other, what I would say are transferable skills into other spaces. So like, Mm. even if we ourselves don't have certain familial relationships, because like we didn't grow up with a father, we didn't grow up with a mother or like 
we had more of a blended family or whatever it is, like Mm -hmm. we, we also might still have like other relationships that we hold dearly that we've invested energy into, you know, those same skills can, can be applied in other, in other relationships that you can like take those things with you, even though you yourself have not had it modeled for you. Um, but like, you know, I think obviously that's like a a generalization because I, I can't speak on not having, like I I had both of my parents Mm -hmm. as my parents to raise me. Um, but I think that like, I also think it's important to remember that like the past isn't necessarily always going to repeat itself that like we, we have control over ourselves and, and our choices and our actions. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, we can make decisions to be, be the parent that like we always wanted to be like, there are still, there are still moments where it's like, I want to be a different parent from how my parents parented me. That was saying parent times, but like there are things that like stand out in my childhood where it's like, well, I don't want to make my kid feel that. So like, I'm going to do things differently. Mm -hmm. And I think like, you know, we can even draw from other examples of things that like we feel like didn't work for us as a way to be like, how do I, how do I do something else? How do I like be different? Um, so I, you know, those are other ways where like, even if we don't have the right example, so to speak, or like the example that we want to have experienced, I think that knowing that we can try to implement something different. So like, just a reminder of what we have control over in our own actions and behaviors. Yeah. And I'm really, uh, no, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that somebody once said, I don't remember who it was or where I read it, but, um, it's a quote that I remember quite often. It's that, um, um, history doesn't repeat itself. People repeat history. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to your point, I'm glad that also Jamie, you mentioned not only, people who had absent parents, but people who just want to change their parental styles from Mm. what they have already witnessed. Because Mm -hmm. like also I myself growing up with two parents, there are some things that I would do differently uh, than, than what they did. And it is a matter of just kind of like controlling how you want to operate in that space as Mm -hmm. opposed to kind of just, saying, oh, yeah, I'm shitty because my parents are shitty. You know, like, yeah. it's, we, we have a better... I, it, yeah, and it's not to say that those things aren't impacting us because they right. they yes. obviously do. But I think, like, if we just default to that, then it is kind of allowing that generational trauma to dictate, like, everything. And, mm-hmm. like, those things do... Like, we are, we are still carrying those things. So, like, that there I think has to be this like heightened level of awareness. If you are like already, you know, knowing that carrying that with you, how does that also then impact like how you are moving forward? You, you then are, are like much more aware of like, Oh, well I didn't have like both of my parents to raise me. And and, like, Mm -hmm. that's something now that you have to carry with you if you decide to start a family. And like, what does that mean for you? Um, Do you, do you like name that and bring that up? Like Dalton was aware and like named that and called his dad out for it by saying like, you know, you can't blame the fact that your dad wasn't there for why you're a shitty dad. Like, always. Um, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I think also for like the stories of the movies, like 
that was never addressed in the past ones ever. Um, Mm -mm. And his mom is like a, not again, like, you know, she doesn't have to be like two people, but like she was a great mom. So, you know, the fact that this suddenly becomes this like main thread is separately annoying, but I think like, yeah, having that awareness, I think, any like knowledge is power. You use that, use like use that to be more intentional in the things that you're doing. But like it doesn't erase the fact that that's your reality. It doesn't like fully take away. Like we can't undo or unlearn the, the trauma that we've experienced or that's been passed down to us. But we can mm-hmm. still make choices moving forward. And like that's what I think is is important to to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Uh, so <laughs> yes, did it. Uh, wonderful. So my last question is just about, um, grief counselors in general. I think it's mentioned, uh, a little bit in this and it's just more of a generalized question, but of course there are therapists who specialize in, in certain things. So you have people who specialize in grief and working with people who are dealing with grief. But my general question is general question, general question. <laughs> what to what point do you have to say to yourself I should seek a grief counselor like how much does the grief have to affect you and your day-to-day life in order for you to say okay something has to change and I need to specifically seek out a grief counselor yeah I think that's a great question I also feel like you know in terms of the threshold like I don't think it needs to be very high. I think that, you know, this type of like life, I would say that like experiencing a loss is like a major life transition. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's like a unique, special life transition that, you know, might look differently from like moving or getting married. But it's still like this big, you know, life changing event that you're going to have to cope with. I think that. At, at that point, like once it happens, like it's totally appropriate to start seeking grief counseling, um, even before you like kind of start experiencing other things. Um, but I think also kind of in what you're asking, like if it is impacting your relationships with others, if it's impacting mm-hmm. your ability to like, you know, do your, your regular tasks, hobbies, um, if you lose interest in the things that you enjoy, if you're isolating yourself yeah. from others, um, you know, if it's impacting your ability to do your job, um, you know, if you're, if it's impacting your sleeping habits, your, your appetite, like all of those things, I think any, any single one of those things, but certainly the collection of all of them is a very appropriate time to seek out grief counseling. Um, and like, you know, as we've talked about with like diagnoses and things like that, like there's no... One, there's no like set time frame on like how long one is allowed to experience grief for, which is something mm-hmm. that comes up, you know, in, in some of the grief work that I've done in the past. I'm not explicitly a grief counselor, but like, again, life, life happens. So like things are going to happen. Um, you know, there's no timeline in like, okay, by at the six month mark, you're going to be in the clear and you're never going to feel sad about this ever again. Like that's not, sorry, I'm sorry to break it to you all, but that is not a thing. Um, but like not only that, I think the real challenge is like 
how other people react to you dealing with your own grief often. Like people, like Mm. at least in the U.S. culturally, like people don't like talking about death. People do not like thinking about death. Like people Mm -hmm. do not like acknowledging death. It makes people very uncomfortable. And so I think that that also adds this pressure of like, get over it, get over it fast and let's move on because like people can't sit with it with you. So I feel like there's also, I mean, talking about stigma, there's also stigma around like, I need to push through this. Like I need to just get over it because it's so like difficult to sit with. Um, and I think a grief counselor can also really help with that because it's, it's not just about like processing your feelings, but it's also about like, how do I honor this person, you know, moving forward? Yeah, Absolutely. That's wonderful. And I think that people really uh, feel like it has to be the extreme side in order Mm -hmm. to be like, okay, now I need help. But truly it is. There's a lot of times that people just feel like the emotions will go away. So they just try to hold out for that. And then they Mm -hmm. don't realize how much it just kind of seeps into other things because they're just trying to bypass everything else and just get, um, try to get the feeling to go away. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what my therapist tells me all the time because I'm like, why do I have anxiety? Why can't this go away? And she's like, you just have to kind of hold its hand and walk with mm-hmm. it and have a different perspective on it because it's just going to be there. So yeah. it's all in, in how you um, look at it, how you take care of it as well, mm-hmm. as opposed to just trying to like shun it out of your life because mm-hmm. that's not reality. That's not yeah. how we and operate like- as human beings. Yeah, the more you try to like push all of that shit away, the harder it is to actually like get through it. It's you're not yes. it's not actually gone away. You've just put it in this little box, but like that box cannot be contained for long periods of time. It's going exactly. to spill out and open up and it's going to feel even worse and it's going to be more persistent and intense mm-hmm. and it's going to be a lot harder to put it back in that box. What's in the and box? And then you're going to have to call it Baba Duke and <laughs> You both went two very different directions. Yeah, right. I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that's all that I have for the Brins section. Um, Should we go on to Rotten Tomatoes? Well, before we do that, there's Rot- something I totally oh. didn't bring up. And, and it's oh. it's an absolute shame that we haven't talked about it yet. But um, Lynn Shay is in this film. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Lin Shay is obviously uh, given the YouTube treatment, just like Specs and Tucker. But I also, a gripe of mine is, a like was that she was in it. A gripe was, it doesn't make any sense how she would appear to him at the end, in my opinion. Yes! And why yeah, she did she already that. pass through? Yeah, I, I mean, she might be around, but like, I just hate, I, I, there are such better ways for, he should have ran into her in, uh, in, in there. I didn't like the ch- yeah in the further as yeah. opposed yeah, to yeah. at the end out, when yeah. out in the world the totally yeah. anyway that really bothered me but I was happy she was in the movie so that was a likey gripey um, like <laughs> uh, oh wait were we, we were going to talk about trauma and art yes oh yes 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 okay the with the immediately when the art teacher was saying you know your art has Dig to deep. come from this place. Yeah, this deep place inside of you, and immediately it's like he's pulling from all of his trauma that he doesn't even remember in this moment. Uh He's just like, okay, I'm just dredging up whatever decides to come to the forefront of my brain in this exercise. And that just really made my 
blood boil because in the arts, yes, is it is an expression of so many different emotions, right? But a lot of the times people tend to say like your best art, it comes from the worst, the deepest wounds that you have. And in like acting classes and stuff, when they're like, yes, here's a scene where you have to be emotional or you have to cry or whatever, or be angry. And the first thing that they say, or a lot of these, um, Scholars is not the word that I'm looking for, but people like Meisner and Uta Hagen, you know, their techniques Mm -hmm. sometimes are like come from the deepest place within because that's the quote unquote going to be the most real authentic thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just very annoying because bringing up past trauma in all these situations, like how can you deal with that? How can you put that back inside like if you especially if you've already processed it Mm -hmm. so then it feels like you're keeping it in a box and then like having it spill out whenever you need it to and then trying to contain it again but it's only going to just keep kind of getting worse so I don't know Brian how do you feel I know that you were an actor and had to deal with that kind of stuff did you ever have moments where you're like this is too much to try to think of something terrible that happened in my life just to get through Mm -hmm a scene at an 8, 8 a.m. acting two class. Yeah, I think, well, so this is this is what I think. I think that acting is interesting because there are tons of theories and tons of, you know, um, uh, techniques to subscribe to. But in at the end of the day, you as an individual get to choose which techniques you want to use. And mm-hmm. while it's not, I some of them are not ideal for some people. And like at eight a.m., trying to cry because like you're trying to remember your grandma dying or whatever it is is like, oh, you know, like it's <laughs> <Yes>. not ideal. <laughs> but no. But at the end of the day, like I can go be in a play, and my, my let's say I'm at a funeral in the play, and I need to cry because I'm doing a eulogy. I don't necessarily. I mean, that's a very specific example. But like, I don't yes. have to necessarily pull from a death that I experienced in the past. I can pull exactly. I can pull from like stubbing my toe once when I'm having an awful day and like you know but like but like as long it's as the, the intention is there behind yeah. it I also think that there's a very big difference between um pulling trauma from in a scene with somebody else because if you are there in the scene what and with the other person that stuff should pull from it directly from like living that life as that character for a bit in that scene yeah. exactly um, yes we're also talking about stage acting whereas i it's very different when on the yes. camera cuz you're sitting around for hours so i get that you need to like hype yourself up but there are also physical ways to hype yourself up you know and 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 get yes. it out that way but going back to my previous example is like Monologues are also different because you need to generate something from inside when doing a monologue. So that that's all, but that's also that's also a very specific example again. Um, but you know, for me, that never really worked. Um, and I, you know, you'd hope that a lot of these people who are actors are trained well enough that they can unlock that box and lock it back up again. But they take the mm-hmm. time to decompress to put it back in the box and things like that. But that is obviously not the case because we've seen how a lot of these things where they can't put it back in the box affect their personal lives on a very public level, whether it is a musician or whether it is an Mm -hmm. actor or whether it is a, you know, a, 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 a fine artist in terms of like painting and stuff like that. Um, Well, even like to your point, what Tom Holland he had to take a break because oh, the last yeah. role that he played was so intense. And I'll speak to not Spider-Man. Not Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> not Spider-Man. 
He had Zendaya with him. He was fine with it. But the <laughs> other, I think this was like a TV show or something that he did. Yeah, the, and, Apple, the Apple Plus one, I think it was. Yeah, the Apple TV mm. one. Uh-huh. And he had to take a break because it was so intense. Mm. And I will speak to, Brian, to your point about stage acting versus um, TV and film because for TV and film, like, you only have to, like, make sure it happens one time to get the shot, right? So, like, if something if you are drudging up whatever like Viola Davis is a perfect example of like she goes in on real experiences and she is like mm-hmm. snotting because of like her stuff and it <laughs> works for her but she also knows how to like compartmentalize and, and do that mm-hmm. whatever whatever then you have um what's her name from The Last of Us who was like I use a tear stick to make myself cry oh, Bella Ramsey yes thank you Bella Ramsey and the the tears that come out lead me to the emotion as opposed sure. to me finding an emotion inside of me to get that out. So mm. it is like pick pick your poison, but especially for stage acting, like for me, my husband cheats on me and my son dies at, for eight times a week. Yeah. So <laughs> me trying to think about something that's Trump, like an actual death in the family or like a breakup or whatever like that's not manageable no for you know what i mean but i can also Mm -hmm. imagine a world in which when you were in rehearsals you were using those things to generate that emotion and now every night it's muscle memory you know where you have to cry here Mm -hmm. and then the lyrics not the the, oh yeah the lyrics and the scenes are are generating that as well because you're also associating those things with those moments in, in general well and i will say this like it's not necessarily like in rehearsals me finding my own uh, specific situation, uh-huh. but the just the feeling and the emotion of rejection and loss in general, sure. and then letting the text and everything yeah. else with it lead me forward, as opposed to like. And I guess, I guess I'm just thinking of like stop. I hate when people think of a specific like my grandmother died, and that's what I think about. Sure. It's like you can think about how you felt when you lost. Anything, well, yeah, because, you know? you know, I think an important thing that actors should be doing is like, you know, it's, it's you know, at one moment when you've lost when you've lost something or when you're feeling like that you should take a second to remember what that feels like and then move on and let yourself allow you mm. feel those emotions. Yes. Um, but I also think we well, don't have to get into this here, but something you said, like, you know, the inside out versus outside in in terms of like how you get to those places and historically British actors are outside in and um, Mm -hmm. American actors because of the newer (laughs) techniques are inside out so you have like that makes sense yeah you have like Brando and you know like 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 I mean uh, what's his name from uh, Succession Um, Mm. Jeremy Strong like um, Mm. like like being very much like um the what's what's the term uh method acting method? where like you're yes. in it all the time and you don't want to lose it so you're doing that like you know and and you know and, and then there's the you know that 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 Meisner technique of like coming from the inside and out and Stanislavski mm-hmm. you need to be doing something but pulling from other emotions and then you have yes. you have the British sense of thought where it's like there's a lot of physical acting in Shakespeare where you have like the big gestures that like convey certain things so like it's and now they're all very much intertwined with each other but it's fascinating yeah for sure yeah, it really is. Uh, and I guess the the thesis statement that I'm trying to say, it's like, if if you trying to act from the inside out is affecting 
your outside yes. life and mm-hmm. how you operate. It's like, that's a conversation that needs to be had. And maybe we can try a different route mm-hmm. as opposed well, to, you know, um, trauma bleeding all over everything, yeah. you know? Well, so. uh, I, quick, quick anecdote, but Topher Grace, when he was playing David Duke in Black Klansman, um, mm-hmm. every night he had a, he had, when he went home every night from filming, he had tasks that he gave himself to decompress because it was affecting him so mm-hmm. much. Like, I think what, one thing he did was like, he edited all of the Hobbit movies into one movie, like, and like, a, <laughs> like a concise, better version of like all of that into one movie. But like, that yeah. was an action or a thing he can do that he'd know that was a positive thing that would like. Like, like separated her. him from this character. Yeah, the character. totally. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and like Robin Williams used to call, they had just filmed Hook and Robin Williams used to call Steven Spielberg <laughs> after every day of filming Schindler's List to cheer him up mm. because he knew what he'd mm. been going through that day. Like, yeah. So like mm-hmm. there are ways that friends can help, that you can help if you're an actor or, a, or an yes. artist to like decompress from that. But like living it, it is just like unimaginable. Mm-mm. Unimaginable. I mean, it's already like life is already hard, yeah. right? And so, for you to drudge up that kind of stuff, yeah. it's yeah, it's well, like if I'm making find, a find couple, different outlets. If I'm making a couple million dollars on a movie, I'll live in it a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's let's do Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, it'll boy. pay it'll pay my bills for the therapy <laughs> yeah, and all yeah. the other shit that I have yeah. to do because <laughs> of this. All right, let's do some Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. What do you think Insidious the Red Door has on Rotten Tomato? Rotten Tomato. Rotten Tomato. Oh, 72. Jamie? 61. Ooh, 35. No. (laughs) I think critics agree with us. Woof. Wow. But the audience score is a 71%. Work. Wow. Yeah. So um, the critics' consensus is earlier installments had their, excuse me, earlier installing, oh my gosh, earlier installments <laughs> of red leather, yellow leather, no. Uh, <laughs> earlier installments have had their moments. But behind Insidious the Red Door lies the disappointing denouement of a once frightening franchise. Denouement? Yeah, fancy critic what a words. Term. Um, yeah, I, I think I find okay. myself somewhere in between the 35 and 71. Yeah. Like, I agree. It's a big, it's a big range. I, I know, I know. But I agree with the sentiment of the 35, but I still had a good time in movie theaters for the 71. Mm. So it's bumped up a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, should we Fantastic. should we do the four uh, S's? Yeses. Skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns. Four S's. <laughs> all right, we have skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Skulls is how we think this movie handled mental health and human behavior on a scale of 1 to 10. Scares is how scary was it on a 1 to 10. Shakes was how much will you remember this? Shake it off, scale of 1 to 10. And then suggestions, what else should you watch? Uh, Jamie, let's start with you. Surely. um, For Skulls, I gave this a 4 
because I didn't really like the way that the people were peopling. Josh is a doobie head. Oh, no. Uh, Doody daddy. King. King Doody daddy. Duty daddy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know. I just like, there were so many like weird decisions that people were making that didn't really make any sense to me. Um, scares. I'm going to, I'm going to bump this up in my little thing. I'm going to give it a five. It really got me several times. Um, I thought, so you like, I can't, I can't deny all the times I screamed. Um, however, first shakes, I'm going to give this a three. Um, it just, I think is a pretty, uh, like less impactful part of the chain and mm-hmm. will probably encourage folks to watch like the earlier ones as opposed to, to this one, unless as you're a completionist case, yeah. and you got to close out your trilogy. Sure. You got to close that door, baby. Got to close that door, baby. <laughs> uh, Nikisha, what do you give in this door? Uh, Jamie, our scores were almost the exact same. So Ooh. four and a five skulls four, scares five and then my shakes, I put a two, so just one less oh, wow. than you. All the same reasons um, for me. Cool. So. Uh, skulls, I gave it a five. Scares, I gave it a six. Shakes, I gave it a five because it closes out a trilogy. Like, it's just going to mm-hmm. now be associated with the first two. And so, like, I, mm-hmm. I gave it more almost out of obligation. Um, you know, is that makes you know what I mean? But I still had a yeah, fun yeah. time. Like, I also just like going to the movie theaters and seeing scary movies. So, like... You know, even if they're mm-hmm. not that great, if they give me a couple of scares and like the audience is into it, then like that 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 influences my opinion on that for sure. You you have to yeah. work harder as a horror movie when I'm watching it at home than you do when I'm watching it in the movie theater. Mm. That's fair. The group experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what suggestions do we have, friends? I just have one movie because I went the tortured artist route. Mm. So the new Candyman movie. Oh, that's a good a one. Tortured artist. That is a good yeah. one. Jamie, I went. I went with uh, this family is being uh, <laughs> uh, tortured by this creepy demon creature. Um, so Poltergeist. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with the. Um, I went more with like. Um, sleeping and like things happening in your sleep. Um, so I took a nap and I, I, I thought about it. Uh, I'm going with Mike Flanagan's Before I Wake. Ooh. Oh, nice. I thought you were going to say Mike Flanagan's Dr. Sleep. Oh, that's also an excellent one. Oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. I would say I, both of those have to do with like powers and sleeping and like connecting. Mm-hmm. So I think either one of those... Um, is is super solid. Hmm. Grand. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our episode of Insidious the Red Door. You can follow Ooh. us on the Instagram, on the TikTok, on the Twitter. Help us get to 20K on TikTok. That's our next goal. But also, thank you for getting us to 15K. Also, we're on the threads now, baby. So follow yeah. us on there. Thread up, baby. <laughs> Thread it up. <laughs> and we'll Brian, so we're going to listen to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, we're gonna listen to us Brian yeah you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts so like things like Spotify Apple Podcasts rate and review us there five stars please and thank you thank you
Wait, should we play that Patrick Wilson song for the? <laughs> uh, if I can find it. Stay Patrick. Uh, yeah. Well, I also <laughs> don't want us fun. to get like a copyright strike. Oh, true. Oh, true. For okay, Vampire okay, last okay, week, okay, cool, cool. I, I almost got one, so I have to change it out. <gasps> uh, Maybe I'll I'll listen to it and then I, I'll, uh, I'll sing, sing it, it for you. Yeah. yeah, that's perfect. What is this? Wait, what are these words? <laughs> oh, God. It's such How a crazy I, time. This is Ghost's cover of Stay. Is this world... What is he saying? Man, Patrick Wilson, you really got to enunciate a little bit more. He right, is when a Tony-nominated uh, <laughs> actor. I did Sounds not know like that. a Christmas song. Yeah, he started the Full Monty on Broadway. Oh. Yeah. The more you know. Fantastic. Jamie, are you Stay finding it? <laughs> with me. It's so breathy and ethereal. Stay. Because he's astral projecting the song. With me. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs> bye. bye. <laughs>